This is Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games, and you're listening to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode 37, Sheep. I'm Tony, and as always... Sorry, I was taking a a sip of tea. Hey, this is Marty. So... I thought you was going to talk a little bit longer about the whole sheep thing, so I thought that was going to give me a chance to get a little sip, but I was wrong. You threw it to me too fast. Oh, my bad about that. So... Um, sheep. Yes, that's a Pink Floyd song for those of you who are not aware of that. And we can even go back to one of our other favorite things. Um, Marty was informing me before the show that WKRP, Arthur Carlson, not talking about sheep so much, but about dogs from the Pink Floyd album. Yeah. Go look it up, people. You'll, you'll know what we're talking about. That's another great episode. It's from the 1970s. It's, the album was called Animals, where each of the uh, lot of tracks in the, work, on the album was named after animals, and they would have samples of animals in the, in the song itself. So, so in the famous WKRP episode, uh, John, Dr. Johnny Fever sitting in the booth. Uh, and he's playing dogs by Pink Floyd and there's dogs in the background and Carlson walks in. It's like, do, do I hear dogs? And Johnny Fever says, I do. I, I'm, I'm vaguely remembering that one. So once again, still upset that we, you can't, you can buy the video of it, but it has all the music replaced. So th- how would they do that? You know what? It seems like when you told me this, that was one of the first things I thought of. No, you've done the thing about the uh, doorbell, Jennifer's doorbell, yeah. saying that would be a problem. And now I think I have, may have thought about, wait a minute, there are, is an exact reference to this song, which the joke wouldn't make sense if it was something else. So, so they could have probably just left out. Well, they didn't do all the seasons, probably. They just and that. Who knows when that was part of the, the show? What season it was? But okay, interesting. Right. Okay. Oh well, back to the show here. Oh, yeah, oh, here what's this? Go. What's this show about again? Oh, games or something like games, that? Games. Yes. Yeah. So you went to, from episode number thirty-six. You know, we went all over here. We're going to try to keep this one on point. So what we've got uh, going on here today is first off, got some news for those of you who may have heard the Dice Tower news with Mr. Elliot there. He announced something about Stronghold Games, and we're going to talk about that. Marty's going to lead us into some tabletop uh, S3 Season 3 and the Kickstarter there, and we're going to have a discussion on that. Then we're going to talk about the game of the month. Uh, we're going to talk about my experience with Russian railroads. It was an incredible experience. We'll go in from there. And then we'll probably close out on when you guys out there in podcast land help me spend $40. Thank you very much. A money well spent. And then that's pretty much what we're going to do today. Marty, anything else? I I think that's a good hour's worth right there. I think so. We're going to try to keep it to an hour this time because we know we ran about 30 minutes long. So we're, so we're trying to pay back. Who knows? We may end up shorter. So, all right. So let's, let's go sort of kind of to the news. Um, this week I was listening on... Wednesday for, I believe it was, God, what is today, Marty? April 9th, April 10th, April 10th, yeah, Thursday. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I was listening to the Dice Tower news on Wednesday and th- they said, you know, Oh, this just in and, and stronghold games did a press release, um, either on April 9th. And they were talking about how stronghold games is going to be releasing the game Among the Stars. Among the Stars was released in 2012 by Artip- Artipia, uh, Artipia, 
Yeah, Artipia. Artipia. A R T I P I A. There you go. Um, games and among the stars, Artipia. 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 That's stupid. Artipia. Artipia. Yeah. Artipia Games, and they're going to release Artipia. You, sorry, <laughs> I'll shut up now. I'll mute the microphone. Go ahead. Okay. So anyway, Stronghold Games has worked in. You know, they've announced jointly that they are going to co-publish with Stronghold Games the ability to get. Now I'm going to say Artipia. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> God, practice all day on this and see man you're just killing me Artipia Games they will be co-publishing with Stronghold Games their games here in North America, Australia and Asia it will give access to, to gamers in those regions because that's where Stronghold you know, get, distributes their games out you will get their games now uh, besides Among the Stars there's Drumroll there's Briefcase there's um, I think it's Archon if I remember correctly so anyway so Stronghold is going to release that. Now, why is this so important? Well, first off, for me, Marty, Among the Stars. When I first heard about this game, you know, and I, and everybody was talking about how it was a ripoff to Seven Wonders. Right. I, I love Seven Wonders. Absolutely love playing Seven Wonders all the time. To the point where my wife's like, do we have to play that again? Well, I didn't know you played it that much. Yeah, well, I don't do a good job of recording my plays on Board Game Geek. So it, what... What I do is um, it's, it's a great game to teach people games. You know, we, we're going to talk about Catan and from that side of it, but it's also another great game to teach. It's, you play it real quick one time, and everybody wants to play it a second time because they pick it up that quick. I, I agree. Um, I've had some tough times teaching it, but anyway, once you get through the game once, yeah, you feel like you got to play it again. Anyway, go ahead. Well, so... Among the Stars is a card drafting game where you're building a station, uh, station, a space station. All right. And <clears throat> I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it. You can go out. We'll have, post a link to the website about a video that talks all about it. And you can see some great reviews and Rado runs through in the Dice Tower. They have some reviews on it. So everybody knows about it. Anyway, Among the Stars, Stronghold Games is going to release it in North America. So what does this mean? There's a Kickstarter right now. Four Among the Stars. And pro- and one of the things, uh, we sent an email to Mr. Bonacore, and he said, basically, if you're going to get Among the Stars, by all means, I understand it's going to the Kickstarter, but you're better off postponing that and getting his release. First why? Of, why? It's cheaper. Because you don't have That's to- a good reason. Right. That's a good reason right there. That's it. You sold me. I'm I'm done. So, but he says it's going to be, you know, you don't have to pay the shipping cost and things like that. They've got all that figured out. I mean, you're, you're basically your MSRP, I believe is going to be forty nine ninety nine. So when they do the pre-order beginning in July in which you will place the pre-order for me, because I will probably be on vacation in the minute he releases this. Sure. They're going to give 30% off. Which is what? Uh, five, 10, 15 bucks off. Look at that. That's an engineer right there, people. Right there, baby. And I even did it in like hexadecimal. Uh, it's a good thing you didn't do it in binary. So, any, I could have. You could have. I know you could have. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he's going to have his copies. And then, of course, our, our tippy is going to have their copies over in Europe. But so if, you, if you're into the Kickstarter, I mean, it's already been funded. People are jumping all over this. You might want to reconsider your... Um, pledge if you're in north america and you missed well, out the tony first time. i got yeah i got a question for you well what question is that 
What about all the stuff in the Kickstarter, like the uh, the extra things like the resin ships and the cubes and all that? What did Mr. Bonacore say about that? It's like you read an email, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, what he said about this, because Marty's right, we asked, and he basically said that he will, they will be making those available to North America, Asia, and Australia buyers as well. So you will still be able to get those things. You don't need to pledge the dollar or $10, whatever, on the Kickstarter. You'll be able to do this and buy them from Stronghold Games later. And one, yeah, and once again, at your local game store or through their um, direct mailers, you know, cool stuff, miniature market, or straight from the Stronghold uh, website, which is exactly where I'm going or you're going for me in July. So that's... And then, of course, all the expansions will be available. Uh, the ambassadors will be available. Promos, and then promos too, where he's going to put everything back in, back in the box. Um, the next board expansion containing all the promos that were available in the Kickstarter campaign. So, bottom line, everything will be available to USA Canadian customers. That's a, to quote Mister Bonacore, win-win. No, and that that's true. Um, so I guess the only thing um, you're missing is, I guess the Kickstarter, you'd immediately get the promos and, and whatnot immediately. Here, I guess you have to wait. And again, I'm looking at the email too. He said uh, late 2014 or early 2015. Right. For the ambas- Ambassadors expansion. And uh, did he didn't did he mention when the promos would be coming out? I didn't see that one. No, it'll, it'll probably, it all is depends on Artipia and when they're going to do it. Artipia, Artipia, God. And, yeah, and then he sent us the press release in, in which we read, which says a lot of the same things uh, that you've already gone over. He also put that press release, I noticed, in the Among the Stars uh, uh, section on BGG. Good. So you can read that press release there um, that we got. And I I just thought the timing of this was really interesting, Tony, because uh, was it last week when you sent me a link to this this Kickstarter about among the stars and and like we've said before we're we're inundated with so many new kickstarter projects now that's hard to focus on all of them so i didn't see what the big deal was but when this news came out and you told me about it i said well let me go check out the game and then i noticed that uh tom and his buddies had reviewed this was that one or two years ago yeah they had had Mm -hmm. talked about it and then it's like okay i like seven wonders but they actually said in that video that that's doing it a, a disjustice it's not a seven wonders clone where it's like Seven Wonders is the card drafting and passing of cards. After that, they say it's more like a tile placement, almost kind of like a Galaxy Trucker type thing, mm-hmm. but it's no head-to-head competition. And I've played Galaxy Trucker before and enjoyed it a little bit. It's kind of long-winded or long play. But anyway, um, so anyway, it's, it's space. And I thought, okay, this now this sounds kind of interesting. So now I'm, I'm very curious about this too, and I may be ordering it, pre-ordering it also. Well, either way, one of us will get it. I will definitely be getting it because, one, I enjoy the space theme. Uh, sure. So that's great. The tile laying, you mentioned Galaxy Trucker. I always think back to Alhambra, you know, the building of the city. Right. That I enjoy that game. I know my daughter Rebecca really likes Alhambra, but Donna doesn't. But maybe with the space theme, you know, she's a space freak. She loves anything about space. And it's I don't know. And I love, love card drafting mechanism. Always have. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. No, I, I do like that too. Um, do you know how many players it plays I, I, off the top of your head? I, it, it plays, uh, I believe up to, hold on, just keep talking there. I, I know it's definitely four. So, cause but I was thinking it goes all the way up to six for some other. Well, why, why, why you're checking that? So here's the thing. Um, 
as much as we're into games and we're into this show and doing things and we get to talk and chat with really cool people like Stephen Bonacore, Tony and I are still game consumers. And because of that, we do have to watch our wallet. So the idea that we can get this now for 30% off, and did you say it was free shipping? I did not. Probably not. I just know that's if, okay. But the 30% off, fine. But what it does is, having been a USA distributor, you're shipping greatly, greatly. Okay. Prices. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so um, I want to support that. Also, these are the versions that will go into your local game stores so that um, you know they can sell that copy too, which is, again, what he's talking about, a win-win because it's going to have greater distribution here and you can get it a little bit cheaper. So unless you just really want those expansions and promos right now, again, you might want to consider holding off on the Kickstarter and going with the Stronghold pre-order uh, sometimes later on this summer. And the other, and the last point about this, Marty, and we'll get off of it, it is two to four players. Um, okay. Oh, that stinks. Yeah, but I'm sure the expansion probably gave you more. Like I said, I didn't. I to be honest with you, I had well, to, don't say that unless you know for I sure. No, good gosh. Call right. somebody will come up and say no, it doesn't. Well, that, well, finally, we'll get some comments over on our guild again. So I don't know where Mike must be on vacation. So, um, <laughs> but the, the the thing about it is. Um, you know, you're worried about, oh, well, keep in mind, these are being produced by the same German manufacturer for Artipia. So it's not like, oh, you're going to get it at some cheapo place. No, it's it's the same. The, the, you're talking about the components yeah, are still the same. It's still the and, same. And, okay, yeah. It, it's all the same. And um, I'm sorry. And, and then also you mentioned in the uh, the press release, too, the fact is, is that um, they may be releasing some of the other games, which you mentioned at the very beginning of the segment, the other games they have. So he may be working with those um that company in order to bring some of the other games over here to the U S. So keep an eye out for that too. And I don't know if you remember, but last year I was sitting there on the fence, like I always do about Kickstarters and drum roll. And I was sitting there going, Ooh, a worker placement about circus and things like that. And I was saying, ah, do I want to back it? Do I want to back it? Do I want to back it? And I let it go thinking it would come. That was it. Here. That was drum rolls. One of theirs. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. So anyway, I assume they're going to have those at Gen Con because of when the pre-order is, so, you know, if you don't want to pre-order it, it's more likely going to be at Gen Con. I don't know if he said uh, when it's going to be released to the general market. I would assume usually it's right around Gen Con or right after. It will be um, the same time as uh, Artipia releases it for its Kickstarter backers, which will be at the September time frame for when they go, go to Germany. Got it. Got it. Perfect. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, like I said, you can go to the Kickstarter page or to the uh, Board Game Guild page and look at some of the videos. I mean, this came out, I guess, a couple years ago and sold out, and they're, I guess they're reprinting it now. And now with uh, Stronghold's help, they can get it out to more hands. So there it is, Among the Stars. So the other thing that we wanted to talk about was um, uh, Tony and I had our um, international a tabletop day this past uh, Saturday. And it's funny, we didn't put anywhere on the show notes to, to talk about that. So maybe we'll just touch on that a little bit. But um, that same day, you know, that is hosted or yeah, that is hosted by or not hosted. That was started by Geek and Sundry and um, who is the same um, YouTube network that uh, that is the home for tabletop by Will Wheaton. So everybody's been wondering about, will season three of Tabletop happen? And here's why. The first two seasons were backed by Google. And there was this thing where they had worked out a thing with YouTube. And at that time, YouTube was was providing, um, helping provide money in order to produce shows, in order to bring more people to their, their YouTube um, website. Well, that program has gone away. So early this year, a lot of people were kind of freaking out going, oh, great. If that 
if that well is dried up, will we get another season of tabletop? Well, we will because uh, Will Wheaton announced that on Indigo, they have started a crowdfunding crowdfunding, oh my God, campaign for getting season three out. Now, as of today, um, which is 410, and this started one, two, three, four, five days ago, they needed $500,000 in order to produce 15 episodes. They've already met their goal. So season three is for sure happening. Um, there is another stretch goal at 750000 where they will make 20 episodes. But here's the deal. I want the $1 million goal because Will Wheaton will produce a tabletop RPG series. And depending on who he gets to sit in and play that, that would be hilarious. If he got some of the guys that are really interactive and funny, basically what they're going to do is they're going to uh, record an RPG session and then break it up over a series of episodes, if I understand correctly, and make a show out of it. And I think that's something that I would really enjoy. So that is going on right now. So when I first heard this, Marty, you know, everybody out there, you know, has the mindset, hey, you're putting it out on the internet. Hey, I'm consuming it for free. Why do I have to pay for this? Why do I need to help you with your budgets or your, right. your, your funding? Your, cause you know, and, and you got to remember just like this show, it's, it's at our own cost. It's our, you, yes. you know, you, you, you do the websites, you do all that good stuff. Yeah. We're very low budget. Okay. Minimalistic budget. But anyway, but Will's isn't, I mean, cameras everywhere, studios, lights, people come in and work. It's kind of like when we introduced board with life, you know? Right. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. You've got, so they're providing entertainment for you. Now, most people normally, you know, how do you get your entertainment? Oh, I watch TV and there's commercials in there. So would you enjoy watching tabletop with, I don't know. Hi. And when we come back, you'll see what he did on his move. It'd break the continuity and all this. So this is how they're getting their money. This is how they're paying. Cause you know, I'm, you know, well, why doesn't Will use his money from starting big bank? Oh, come on. You know, he's doing this for the good, <laughs> for the, you know, that's where he makes his livelihood. This is, this is for pure entertainment. And there is no doubt that Tabletop has had an influence on this industry because I read an interview yesterday with the CEO of Fantasy Flight Games who actually mentioned about, uh, I think the question was, is this hobby and how it's growing? And he specifically mentioned the Tabletop show. And it's what, you know, you may have heard this before, the Tabletop bump, um, where whatever game they feature, sales spike that week for that game. It makes a difference. Uh, people are watching this show, and it's making a difference in sales. Now, if the game manufacturers and producers are being are seeing this and taking advantage of it, hopefully they're also one of the ones that's doing a lot of big backing for the show because they realize if we can just get uh, one of our games on one of their episodes, it's a, it's a boon for them. Yeah, and I, I understand and I agree, and I thought about this driving home because I knew we were going to talk about it. But when you think about, all right, the cost to produce a game how many volume that they sell, you know, and we've heard this time and time again, you know, our, our good buddy, Robert Burke, um, he's, he's even told this, I've got a normal job. It's not like, you know, I'm making, I'm getting rich off of this stuff. Right. You know, and you think about the cost and the things like that, even for when you think fantasy flight, um, you know, they've got a, a staff behind it. What are their margins that, what, you know, what is their 
cost to produce these games versus their their staff, the uh, shipping, and you know, there's just so much that goes into it. So even for game manufacturers, it's I can see where that is a very tough business. You know, as I was thinking about where you and I, you know, you and I work in two industries, especially my industry, where you know the bottom line is watched constantly. I cannot imagine having to watch it at a, at a game manufacturer or, or right. a producer or, you know, that's just, that's just, so what's, what's this have to do with tabletop? Well, you, you mentioned how a big game producers or game uh, like fantasy, if they come and sponsor it, they've got to look at their ad dollars. Where will I get that big bang? But you know, they're also on a tight budget as well. I guess, I guess my, no, my, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I, but I think what he was trying to say was that show is good for the entire industry. I agree. If I that agree. show is bringing more gamers to this industry, it's bringing more dollars and should help out everybody. I, I completely agree with you. My point is they get that one game. We gamers are fickle people. Okay, you gave me a great game. Where's my next great game? Yeah, no, that that's true. That's true. But kind of going back to the whole tabletop thing, you mentioned the uh, thing of cost. If you watch um, on Indigo, um, and we'll put the link to this on our um, blog post for this episode. If you go out there and he, Will Wheaton's got a, a video that explains why are they asking for money? It's free before it's not now. Well, they got funding from Google before, but when you talk about, like you said, the cameras, the studio space, um, the editing is incredible. Uh, as you watch this show, think about all the editing they do where they, where they show the rules or they show the scoring or they, they show the nice little graphics. Somebody's doing a lot of work on the, on the backside of that in order to make that happen. It sounds great. It looks great. They have great guests come in. I don't know if they're compensated in any way. I, I have no idea that he didn't mention that. It's just very expensive to produce and create a show. Now, somebody had thought that maybe uh, they're going to be a little bit more smart on this season. Maybe they won't have commercials, but maybe they have some product placement, right? Maybe what they're drinking is is a Coke or a Pepsi that maybe gives them some sponsorship money. I'm sure they may be working little things like that in order to, if they're going to do season four, they may not can keep coming back to this well of crowdfunding, but may can generate some funds this season that will help them next season. We all do that. It's like you and I doing our PSAs. You know, we we move your games around on your bookshelf just to put certain ones there, just for the fun of it. I'm doing it for the fun of it. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't get any perks for that. No, but it's fun to try to say, okay, which game am I going to put there? You know, will somebody yeah. notice it? Will somebody tweet it out? You know, it's like when they tweeted out, hey, um, do you see what game they're playing in their latest PSA, uh, Corey Young? You know, we had Gravwell on the table. But, you know, that's always fun. Right. So, but I understand what you're saying from Will, that, that maybe they can do that or figure out some way to, to put out those product placements. And, and you, But you're, have you ever noticed how they decorate his yes. landscape? It's all about the game they're playing. Yep, yep. They, they again, they just – it is a quality sh- it's not like our show it's a quality show <laughs> that's an understatement with, I, mean, with, I mean i mean you got well, no you got a lot of professionals coming there what we see on the screen is a fraction of the number of people that make that show happen right uh, yeah and those people aren't doing it for free necessarily right yeah, I, I, yeah, mean, I, it, it, I mean if if your job is a photographer an editor a videographer whatever set designer you need to get paid for that you're not going to do that for free no you're not you're you're going to be all over it so Yep. So anyway, so Tabletop Season 3, we spent some time on that. The reason why I think it's an important show for our industry, I am backing it. I think I'm going to back the $20 one. 
because uh, I want a button, and then I want to see you get a bonus episode. All those that back like $15 at least get to see a bonus episode that nobody else gets to see. And I'm doing it just because I think it's for a good cause, just like we mentioned last time with the Kickstarter uh, for the Braille or the uh, the accessories for the blind. Uh, and I'm not getting anything out of that, but I think that's good for the industry, and I'm, um, I'm backing that too. So that is Tabletop Season 3. You can go check it out on Indigo. So a couple of, I think last episode, we had mentioned that starting this month, the Dice Tower Network is going to be doing a game of the month. And we're trying to treat this almost like a book of the month club where you get a lot of people together and and play a game and talk about it. So several other shows are doing the same thing. Blue Peg Pink Peg has already released their episode where they've talked about this game and you can go, uh, go to their website and find them there. Onboard games, uh, I know as of right now they've recorded it, but it's not uh, as of right now, April 10th. They've recorded it, but it's not been released. When this episode comes out, it may be out. So um, go and uh, check them out. And then obviously there's us. Now we have a thread on the uh, guild, on the Dice Tower Guild, uh, where people can go and talk about this game. The idea, play the game. Uh, listen to what we all think. We may be covering different aspects of the game, see where we agree, disagree. And chime in on what you think. So what we did, Tony and I, a couple days ago at our uh, gaming event, uh, we got together at our uh, club event and played the game. It was me, Tony, and this other gentleman named Chris, who has been playing games for a very long time. A hardcore gamer, owns a lot of games, really loves games, plays the heavy, hard stuff, likes the strategic games, but has never played Catan. So we thought it'd be fun to play with him and afterwards talk to him about what he thought about that game. Plus, we interject our thoughts on the game, too. So, Tony, you ready to jump over and do that segment real quick? I sure am, Marty, and especially since I was the winner. So, Tony and I actually have the privilege of talking about the game of the month, Catan, Settlers of Catan, Settlers of Catan, however you want to call it. There's multiple ways to do it here at our game club event. And what we did was we got different perspectives here because I haven't played this game in multiple years, two or three years. Tony, when's the last time you played? About two weeks ago here at the game club. Okay. And, and then we have another gentleman with us who had, who is a hardcore gamer, played a lot of different games, but has never tried Catan. So I thought it'd be interesting to hear his perspective on a game that's considered a gateway game that he's now trying for the first time after playing all these other games. So, Chris, thanks for joining us tonight. Hello. Um, so here's the deal. Settlers of Catan has been out since 1995. It was designed by, was it Klon, Fran? Klaus Tober. Klaus Tober. And that is the southern pronunciation, so I'll just go with it, people. Yeah. That whole word. Is it so, Settlers yeah. or Settlers? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Is it Catan or Catan? Okay, let's get to the game. Okay. All right, so here's the deal. Um, we're not going to go all the rules and everything. Pause. If you want to go hear the rules, go check out Blue Peg Pink Peg's latest episode where they cover Catan. They did a fantastic job of going through their rules. That's another one of the podcasts that are talking about Catan. They did a fantastic job of talking about how the rules work. 
Yeah, and, and they started at the 42 and a half minute mark when they started that, Marty. So that will give you all away if you want to jump ahead. So give them a good listen if you haven't heard. Blue Pack, King Pack, they, they have a unique perspective on things. And, and so just but 42 and a half, that's where they started it, Marty. Yep. And by the way, we are playing the base game. No expansions. We kind of wanted to do it that way. Um, and Tony was like, how old is this version? I bought this version back in the mid-2000s, and I guess there's been a new edition that's come out since then. Yeah. What's different? Well, you have the interlocking island first off, so your pieces don't scatter around or anything like that. Also, some of the graphics have changed and makes it a little bit easier to understand which one's stone versus wheat versus that. That's some of the changes that it's made, and I think... I know I have version 4, which has that, and I think it's either version 5 or 6 now. Who knows? Really? It's that far along, and then, of course, you got your iOS versions and all that good stuff. Well, I remember I didn't upgrade because they said they weren't compatible. If I have 3rd edition or whatever, 4th edition wouldn't work. Probably not. Who knows? With the hard backing. It's just like they did screwed us on Pandemic. <laughs> oh, we won't right. go there. We're talking about the time. So, so Chris, you, you introduced us to games such as uh, one that where it's on a one-way street, as Marty says. That was um, Francis Drake. Francis Drake. Um, you've got Russian Railroads, which we're getting ready to play with you. I'm excited about that. But before we go into these hard-thinking games, what do you think of this game? Uh, I can see how it's a gateway game. It's really easy to pick up. Um, the components reminded me oddly enough of Terra Mystica. And so, um, yeah, I can definitely see how this is really popular. Playing it for the first time, really easy to pick up, especially given the games I've played since. Well, so let me ask you this. Um, it was easy to pick. We flew through this game. It what, took us an hour? One hour. Which is, which is pretty good. But, I mean, we were hard. We, I mean, there was... I mean, the whole thing about this game is a lot of communication, trading, and whatnot. But we kind of knew, and I just don't even, even offer a trade at this point because I know I can't do it. So it was like pass, roll, kick. So we really moved quick. It can slow down with people who've never played because uh, they're constantly looking at what they need to do. So experienced gamers did fly through this thing pretty fast, which was nice. Yeah, and there's a definite strategy in the late game. It also depends on how the board's got set up. Now, this is where I'm going to put a little asterisk. When Marty set up the board, he, his six, uh, five and six expansion got mixed in, and the numbers weren't crisp. Actually, on the board right, we had a couple extra, uh, only one five, and maybe a couple extra threes. So it made the game a little bit more challenging. That and the fact we kept rolling tens. I really wish I'd done. What do you think of the dice roll? That's usually uh, the experienced gamer is like, it's nothing but luck of the dice. How do you feel about that? Did you feel there was any strategy? You know, I did feel like there was strategy of just picking your starting settlements, I think, was a strategy that I, I didn't, I uh, undervalued at the beginning. And that, like you said, people rolling their tens. I did like that. The, the dice roll, the luck of the roll didn't bother you any? No, no, in that situation, no, I understand it. And um, I actually like that in that situation. Yeah, well, see, that's always been kind of my issue with the game is because whatever I need doesn't come up. And then the seven comes up when you got ten in your hand. Which, nice. which which did happen tonight. Uh, what that is is when the seven comes up, the robber moves. And when the robber moves, if you have more than seven cards in hand, you have to discard half down, which which really stinks because I was getting ready to trade in a four for one, and that just completely blew that. And the other disadvantage I think you had tonight, Chris, was you know I've, 
I've played this game a lot. I've played it a lot. Was sitting with my wife, believe it or not, she'll play it on the Xbox, um, and she plays that. She played that game to death, and she would sit there and debate with me. And she hates it on the, on the computer because it cheats all the time. But I've seen it enough to where I know all the strategy cards. I know the Monopoly, play the additional roads, year of plenty, how many soldiers are coming. So I think that really, it's like any game you play, once you know those, you develop that strategy. So that, that's important. So Marty, you haven't played in a long time. What did you think? Well, I stopped playing because I found games that were more interesting to me. Um, I've, told this, I've said this on the, on the show before, luck really plays a big part in how I like a game or not. I feel like if it's heavy on the luck side, I'm less likely to like it. Now, Granted, the dice affect everybody, and it seemed there were lots of times like, uh, by the way, Tony won, but early in the game, you weren't getting anything. No. So, I mean, it does kind of balance out. I, I totally get that. Um, when we started playing this game, let me just say this. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Catan was the, the basically my gateway game into the hobby. Uh, when I was looking into it, after we'd been playing our card games, uh, Lord of the Rings, etc., I wanted to try a board game, so I did the research, and that's the one that kept bubbling to the top. I bought it, we played it, our family really enjoyed it, and it kind of got me into the hobby. So I took the same path a lot of other people did playing this game. Once I started playing it, it's like, oh, what else is out there as far as for this game to make it a little bit better? And that's when I bought the Cities and Knights expansion, and that really beefed up the game for me and made it a lot more enjoyable. But even after a while, there's all these other games that came in that I just kind of enjoyed more. So that's why I haven't played in all these years. Now, some of the issues I used to have before, I kind of still have. But that's, it's, it's kind of unnerving when you're sitting there, my gosh, just have a four come up every once in a while. But, you know, it just doesn't happen. And it's like, well, I didn't plan very well. If I needed if I needed that ore from four, I should have moved over and put a settlement on a, another ore to have a better chance of doing it. So placement does have a lot to do at the beginning of the game, uh, of where you put your stuff on how well you do. Um, I don't know. I, I, now that I've played it, do I need to play it again? Probably not for another two or three years. Okay. So Chris, are you going to go out and buy it, or you just think you're going to let it sit on the mass market shelves and keep, keep buying other new games so we can play them here? And we appreciate that. Um, I might buy just a base game to, for my wife, who's um, more of a gateway gamer, to get her involved in it, to introduce her to some more strategy games that have the similar mechanics as it more games come about. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll buy it just for my collection and also for some friends to have over as a gateway. That's it. I mean, I, I agree with you because our neighbors who love playing Pandemic with us, if I bring out certain games, it would be Settlers or Pandemic, either one, they can manage, and they don't like playing with the robber. Can you imagine, they, they don't play me at all. I mean, it's just the strangest thing I've ever seen, because that's part of the game. Who can you steal from, knowing when to do from that? They don't, they leave the robber in the box? Yeah, they leave it in the box. Yeah, my, my, that was a big thing with my wife, Vanessa. She couldn't stand the robber either, and she would always move it to where it wouldn't affect anybody. <laughs> and, I mean, she early on, she was, well, no. If she was still to play it, she would still play it that way, because she doesn't like screwing people over, basically. And um, the robber does change the game, because there are sometimes night real important stuff was stolen from me, or, you know, I had the, a nice little tile that had several settlements in a, or a city in a, a settlement around it that was just shut down. 
um, it was my old brick, whatever it was. So Robert does make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, you quickly picked up on that, Chris, how to shut down the, the weed on me, and then we went over there and shut down the sheep when I got that two-to-one port. And, and those are the key. So, you know, for people who've never really and you know they, they bypass it because like you said 1995 right I mean uh, I believe it yeah mid 90s I believe it's 95 if you bypass the game and you're needing to bring your other friends into it right I, I agree with you to me live or bring this game out only with the casual gamer or someone someone that maybe you know yeah I'm, I'm, I'm the person with Big Five but if I were to play it with my my family my mom and my aunt and uncles and things like that I would do this because I think it's even for for older people. Okay, we're a few years in the 5-0. Stop even talking about that. <laughs> the coming, it's, it's a train. It's like a Russian railroad. It's fixing to hit you in the face. Uh, shut up to me. <laughs> so let me go back. I was actually going to ask you about your wife playing this game. So at the International Tabletop Day, your wife came along. Uh, she hasn't played a lot of games except for maybe gateway games. As a gateway game, you mentioned this earlier, so you do feel that this still is a good... There's a lot of games out there now. At one time, this was one of the, you know, the market's now saturated with games. Is this a game you would still use to introduce somebody? Or it's like, you know what, there are better gateway games that maybe introduce your wife to? I think it's one of the gateway games. Yeah, I definitely think it's easier for her to pick up on the mechanics of this and also use it as a springboard with the other games with the cards and the different mechanics as far as gathering resources so yeah I would say it's one of a few that I would introduce you to. Okay. Uh, what I mean what what other gateway games has she tried or if you introduced her to? Okay. Um, or have you just jumped her right into the hard stuff? No, no, not uh, Ticket to Ride is, is what she really enjoys. I introduced her to that. And Hanabi, she enjoys Hanabi as well. And she played Seven Wonders and she likes that. She liked that. She'd like to try that again as well. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think she would enjoy Kukan and all of my daughter as well, trying to get her to do some more complicated more strategy games. All right. And three people is the minimum of, of this. Like we like stated, too. Can't do it over two because you gotta have the trading and kind of shut each other down. You gotta have at least a number of three. Goes up to four, you can buy the expansion for five and six. And there's how many um, expansions? Is there four or five? I can't remember. There's the, the Seafarers and there's City and Knights. There's there's several of them now. The oil, the oil rig one came out. We had to do for oil and the, all this stuff. But um, obviously, Catan is still very big. At Gen Con, they do the big, uh, uh, Mayfair does the big World Catan Championship games. They have a whole area of the floor set up with all these Catan, Catan, whatever, tables that they just play all weekend long. So people, hardcore gamers are still very much dedicated to this game. Right. So, you know what, do you think here at the game club, do you think it would be um, possible, we could have a Catan tournament, maybe maybe we could get... Uh, I don't want to make fair if you're listening. Give us some prizes. Do you think we could get that happening here? I know, I know we got one avid player. No, everybody's shaking their heads. I, I, I don't know. Because as we were playing tonight, people were like, why are you playing that? We're going to kick you out of the club. Get out of here. <laughs> no, we did really have several people come up. Wow, Katana. There's a classic right there. So it's one of those we don't see a lot. Of. There are some people that, that like the game, and it comes out every so often here. But the, the, the more... Uh, I guess hardcore people are more into gaming really don't bring it to the table that much anymore except for 
for casual purposes. And again, if I was teaching somebody a game, I probably would bring that out a ticket to ride because, like you said, Chris, it's a good idea about the whole resource management thing. Right. It, it does bring that. There's a lot of European games where you're collecting different resources and you have to order them or pair them in a certain way to order buy something. Right. And it teaches that aspect of the game, which which I do like. Uh, anything else about this game? Anything that we need need to? I mean, I guess keeping it kind of simple here. That's really all it is. It's a simple game, quick game, good gateway game. Um, I know probably most people that have played before, uh, hopefully you had a chance this month to pull it out again and try it to see if you have any different insight or thoughts about it. Uh, it hasn't really changed for me. It's, it's been about the same. And I'm, what I want to do is if everybody would think of a rating from 1 to 10, kind of putting you on the spot but um again it didn't really it didn't really change much for me if you've listened to the blue peg pink peg you know they a couple a couple of the guys gave it a big old thumbs down it's like uh i think they rate on a system of zero to six yeah because the number of pegs in a car yeah pegs in a car <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, I, sorry guys. Sorry about that. Uh, is it life or sorry? They do. Oh no, sorry is my baby. <laughs> life is theirs. Okay. Look at pink. But they gave it. They gave it. Was it a zero or one? I know somebody one. gave a one, one. A one peg, and it was just because just didn't just didn't like it. Had had a lot of issues with it. So. On a scale of one to ten, as a it's like if it's a scale of one to ten, as a gamer, where you stand right now, forget about the aspects of it, introducing it. What would you rate it, Chris? I would give it a seven. Same wow. here, seven. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna have to drop it a little bit. Um, I'm. If somebody was to bring out a lot of games, I probably still won't play this game. If you're just sitting, so I'm, I'm sitting here looking at Russian Railroads right now, and looking at Steam Park over here, and they're playing Caverna over there. On that scale, it's going to be down three or four. But if there's people that's never played the game before and it's a gateway game, when looking at it from that aspect, I will jack it up to a seven or eight. I, to me, Ticket to Ride ranks higher in that aspect. But this is right there because it does teach a lot of aspects of the European style game with the victory points and resource management. Yeah, the, the reason why I rank it higher than Ticket to Ride because oh, you're in, you're crazy. I, I know I am, <laughs> but then again, I I don't mind the dice mechanic where Ticket to Ride is pick two cards and then build. I, I'm there's there's more. I, I feel like there's more strategy than Ticket to Ride and it, and the trading, the interaction. You don't really see that in the Ticket to Ride, but then again, no. I, that's why I, that's why I get baton. I still bring it out for for the neighbors. I like to do it. It's, it's, it's a good, easy, non-brain-burning game compared to the rest of the stuff we play. Catan? Yes. And no, I, I agree. I think it's still a bit of a little of a brain burner for somebody who's never played. I agree. As a gateway game, it's it's a little bit. You're giving in this card, and you can build any of this stuff. The, the settlements have to be two roads apart. You know all those little rules that you kind of got to remember that we just kind of got down to. I do love the randomization aspect of the game. I love the fact that the tiles will move around each time and it's different. You do have a lot of expansions you can go with. So it's a shame that all these new additions have come out because I will probably never buy them because I have to start over again. So and I probably can't even buy the other expansions for the edition I got if I want to go back and find right. seat there had to be a used version. Right. 
and I, I know I will never buy it because I'm going down to an empty nester, so there's no reason for me to even think about it. Right, know? right. So now there, I will must. There are a lot of products for Catan. I mean, there's well, the really player get the cards. Yeah. Well, I'm, no, I'm talking about the boards where you can oh, inset God. the map in, and uh, it, it's really nice. That they have uh, wasn't a Kickstarter last year mm -hmm. where they had the plastic or wooden pieces where they interlock and it would expand yeah. if you're doing the four or five version. So it's really cool ways because. That is the issue with the version I have. You hit the table, tiles are sliding all over the place. Right. And then, Chris, you, and you obviously, you learned how to ask for trades. That always drives people crazy. Actually, we didn't have an issue with that. No. And what we're talking about, I, if you've ever played Catan, you've ever done the, uh, I'll need to trade sheep for wool. And everybody goes, do you want sheep or do you want the wool? But we were kind of getting to the point night where I guess we played enough to where we go, I will give sheep, yeah. I need wool. So that's the same thing, sheep and wool. That's an idiotic statement. Let's try this. Sheep and wood was what I meant. Wool and trees. Uh, or and the weedy thingies. The weedy thingies, yeah. Wheat thins, there you go. You, you Ooh, make, wheat thins. Make your own wool. We got any bread left over here? I'm still going to press the bread. And I need my tea reef. I need my tea reef over right. here. All right, we're, we're, we're divergent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <divergent>. <laughs> but anyway, so Chris, we appreciate you coming on the show here. And thank you for playing. Oh, hey, we appreciate you putting up with it. Yeah, well, I appreciate when I found out you hadn't played, I thought you've got to come on and do this with us because we, 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 we wanted to get your aspect of it. So we appreciate you taking time to almost felt like we got to hurry through this because I know he wants to play something else sort of deal. Yeah, so let's get Russian Railroads on the table. It's time to go. <laughs> All right. Well, so anyway, there's our what April Dice Tower Network game of the month: Settlers of Catan or Settlers of Catan. Yep. We got to figure out what's next. So any of our regular listeners out there want to throw out some games for us? We'd appreciate any suggestions you have. Well, we do know what's coming in June, and I'll say I'll just give a hint: it's a big anniversary month. So anyway, thanks again, Chris, for for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And Tony, you're you're always here, so I gotta thank you. That's right. At least you made it to a group event tonight. I was only really... 15 minutes late. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we're doing a PSA on that one too. She's not showing up on time. Uh, anyway, so guys, we'll appreciate it, Chris, and we'll be talking with you later. Thank you, guys. So Marty, um, have you thought about what we're gonna do for the game of the month for next month? I've actually got to put a thread. Uh, again, it's probably already done on the uh, talk to the other podcasts and see what they want to do. We know what we're doing in June because that's a big anniversary month. Hint, hint as to what game that will be for then. So we need to come up with what it's going to be for May and um, probably by now we're recording this episode really early. This this episode is not coming out till late. January, February, what is it? April? Uh, because next week is spring break. Tony is out of town on vacation. And so we're knocking this thing out right now so we don't have to be pressured. So by the time this comes out, we may have already decided it's just right now at the time of this recording. We don't know. Right. And so if you guys have any ideas for a book of the uh, book, a game of the month, you know, put them in our board game guild. Um, we'll start a little thread out there just like we have our at the table threads and things like that. So, um, you know, please go out there and, um, Give us some suggestions. We'd love to hear them. You know, yep. get some more opportunity. Which and please listen to the other shows. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely listen. Get, give give both of them a show. I enjoy the the pegs talk about their experiences and just on board games. On board, yeah, on board games. It's uh, great, great shows. Give them a listen. But 
like I was saying, you know, we just mentioned, and I'm switching things up on Marty because we got a good segue here. So um, from the standpoint of, you know, mentioning games that we could possibly play for a game of the month that you're interested in, I also similarly uh, asked the... Similarly. The, is that the thing? Artopia. Artopia. Is that the thing that uh, J.R.R.R. Tolkien wrote? No, that was a Sumerian. <laughs> no. Sumerillion. Uh, Sumerillion. Anyway, I asked a question out on our guild how would you spend my money? It's always fun to talk to people about, you know, hey, if I, you know, if you could spend someone else's money. Well, I gave our listeners the opportunity to spend my allowance, my $40. I love spending your money. I, I know you do. <laughs> I've, I've, been do. I've been doing it for decades. Yes, you have. Nice. Oh, that reminds me. Um, I have to tell you about something in the outro. Remind me. Uh, outro. Hold on. Let me put a note uh, in the show sure. notes to remind okay. you. Keep anyway, going. So... Everybody, I appreciate all the responses I got back. So what I did was I went out, took all the responses of everything that everybody recommended. I then went out and read the reviews on them. I watched the various reviews on it. I watched the run-throughs with with, um, Rada to see which games I think would be probably appropriate because it also comes down to I'm not going to put my money on the table and then never play it. So I went through everything. And I mean, we had some great ones. Lords of Vegas, um, uh, City of Iron. You know, it's just some go, go look at the thread if you want to see some of the other ones. And what it came down to was Pandemic in the Brink. I know you were going to add a drum roll in there, weren't you? I just Okay, did. good. So Pandemic, In the Brink. Why did I pick that one? It came down to Castles of Burgundy and Pandemic In the Brink. Not, not In the Brink, In the Lab. In the Brink. That's the one before that. God almighty. In the Lab. It came down to Pandemic In the Lab and Castles of Burgundy because I was sitting there thinking, okay, I, we enjoy rolling dice. Uh, my wife enjoys, you know, playing th- those types of games. And then I was like, that looks good. I don't have a, you know, any type of game similar to that. You have the ability to do the mechanism. But then I started thinking, you know, I'm always bringing out Pandemic for my wife and our neighbors. They love playing that game. I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> right. So in the lab, I'm like, I've got to try it. Everybody talks you know, it does a great job for Pandemic. And just like you, Marty, when playing Wards of Waterdeep with Scoundrels, I will never play Pandemic again without In the Lab attached to it. Really? Yeah, it's that good of an expansion for me. Well, then I need to play it because I haven't played Pandemic in forever because I got tired of it. So I'd like to play with you sometime. Oh, we'll, we'll do it at the game club. I'm sure I can get four people. And you don't. And see, this is one thing people don't understand. And it was Rado mentioned this. You can have the 2008 version of Pandemic and still use in the lab. Oh, that's good. Especially if you use card sleeve protectors. Because that's the big thing. The, the backs on the cards are different. And I'm going to go out and get oh. some card sleeve protectors for that. And then you can, then you don't know because the backs are different for like the special events versus um, the normal cities when you're drawing them. If you have the mm-hmm. 2008 versus the, the latest one, the 2013 version, you're. But you updated to the 2013 version, didn't I you? I did. But if you have the 2008 version, you don't have to update to the 2013 to get, to get in the lab. Okay. You just mentioned going out and getting card sleeves, and I thought, well, why do you need to? Because you upgraded. Well, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. But I, I want to also, I have in the brink. 
Oh, okay. And that's the old that's version? That's the old version of In the Brink. And I'm not going to pay $10 to upgrade just my cards. And then I could go spend $24 to get the new version of On the Brink, but we never play the mutation. So in a nutshell, what is in the lab? Because I, you know, I never looked into it. In the lab, you're, you're going and you're trying to cure the diseases in the lab. As you know, in pandemic, you need five cards to cure the disease. Unless you're the scientist, then you need four. And the right. way you do that, you go to a research station. Somebody turns in their five cards. And you try to keep the outbreaks from occurring by removing the various cubes from the board. Well, in the lab, you take those cubes and you place them in the two Petri dishes. Uh, You pick which one you want. And you can then move those cubes to another one. You can move it to a cube where it takes all of one color or it takes every color that's in the dish once. So if you had like a... uh, a black, a blue, uh, the red and the yellow, and you move them down and three yellows, you would move those down and you would only keep the black, the red, the blue and the yellow. And the other two yellows would be discarded. If you were to move it to the one that keeps all the same color, you would discard everything but the three yellows. Okay. And then from there, once you do that, you have to play the card to say, this is the card I'm going to cure it. And then from, so you say, okay, you, you're going to play this card and say, and while you're in the research center, because you've got to stay at the research center to do this, you play the card and say, okay, this is the card we're going to treat. And you have this sequencing card that says, these are the cubes you need to place on this card in order to find a cure. What makes this in the lab so much better for me is, and, and Rado mentions this in his, um, Richard uh, um, mentions this in his view is that you don't have to worry about one person and handing off cards. You can, everybody can go to a research center and do something. You don't have to constantly be trading cards back and forth. Oh, that's cool. And and it adds a lot to it from that standpoint. We played it with five epidemics. We got down to the draw deck of having just one card and we won. So, so yeah, so we won the first time we played it. And I think the reason why we played it was on the first draw of the epidemic or of the um, person's first turn, they pulled the epidemic off the top. Mm. And then the next one didn't occur until almost six, seven turns later. So we were able to control the board, which was great. Right. Cool. Well, cool. I'm glad that was, that one uh, worked out for you, but that one, wasn't $40, was it? No, it was not. So I added to it. Excellent. It was Hanabi, which you've heard me talk about from Mace. And you finally got to play Hanabi, the card game, you know, 2013, um, either I think it was a winner or a runner up. I can't remember. Um, last mm-hmm. year, um, bought that one as well. Great game. It's a quick game. It's a fun game. It's a good thinky game. I enjoy it. What'd you think of it? Yeah, so I got to play this at the International uh, Tabletop Day. Tony and I had spent uh, a lot of time just kind of helping uh, with the tabletop events, so we didn't have a lot of time to play long games. We've played, uh, we played, we played a game of Grabwell, we played Dread Curse, and then at the end, we got to play Hanabi. And I must admit, when I heard about Hanabi, I thought, eh, I don't know, doesn't sound interesting to me. Set collecting, can't see cards. <laughs> well, after we played Hanabi, I immediately got on the phone on Amazon and spent $10 in order. You got on the phone with I, Amazon? Yeah, I got an Amazon app on my phone. Uh-huh. Back in the old days, you that meant you would have called somebody. My bad. I'm old school. <laughs> I don't even know if you can call Amazon. <laughs> anyway, um, that's a good game. That is a good game. I, I was surprised. Number one, I didn't realize it was co-op. I guess I never looked enough into it to realize it was a co-op game. But 
the, the, the strategy of giving people clues is a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun than I thought it would be. And, or giving people grief for giving a stupid clue. I don't think we gave grief. Well, we gave Todd some grief one time, I think. Yeah, but I'm saying as even in other games, I mean, like like I, my daughter was giving her mother a complete and total grief over a clue. She's like, what the heck was that kind of clue? That helped no one. You know, that was funny. Yeah. So, you know. No, that that is a good game. And like you said, I immediately bought it. I haven't opened it yet. I want to play it this uh, weekend with the family and see what they think. So, so nice. You got two games um, for 40 bucks. Yep. Well done. And then, of course, City of Iron went on sale, and I picked that one up, too, but it wasn't part of it. And Castles of Burgundy is on my buy list. I will probably pick that one up because that game just is the more and more I read into it, the more it intrigued me. So I know it's an older game. But yeah. I definitely want to add it to the collection. I will. I do want to give a shout out to the R&R Games, the guys for, for, who do Hanabi in the U.S. Um, one of my cards was missing, um, the multicolor one. And if, if you yeah. play Han, uh, Hanabi, it's three ones, two of everything else, and one five. So I sent them an email. The next day they contacted me and said, your card is on its way. Oh, nice. Well done. I love hearing, st- I love hearing stories like that. That's really good. And I waited and I waited and I sent him another email. I said, guys, international tabletop days coming up. I really want to break this out. I was wondering, um, could you make sure the card was sent? He said, yep, it should be there very soon. And sure enough, the next day it was in the mail. Great. Yeah. Love, love. That's I, great. I really do. Uh, thanks guys. I, I appreciate you giving me that card as quickly as you did. So excellent customer service there. Yeah, and thanks for everybody that got on the uh, the thread and recommended all those t- games to Tony. He was struggling there for a while. Uh, you sent me a spreadsheet of all the games you had listed with prices and comments on what you thought about them. So this wasn't a, 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 a knee-jerk decision for you. you. You put some time into this. You of all people know that I always have buyer's remorse, but this time I did Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you have not, you have been very pleased so far with your choices. So again, thank you so much for all those that uh, suggested it. Maybe over the next several months within or a year, Tony can save up a little bit more money and we can do this again. I don't think so. Let's see. I've got castles. I've got among the stars. <laughs> um, I think the list, um, another game we're going to talk about later. We've got to get that one in order. And then we just sad news guys. At International Tabletop Day, we gave away the My Little Pony theme decks. Uh, yeah, so we had a big raffle there. Uh, we contributed a lot of prizes uh, to the table, and one of them was our I. And we, we a lot of people uh, the run the club did this, and Tony and I contributed a few games plus the My Little Pony starter decks. Um, they weren't taken early on. They were taken towards the end, but they were taken. So hopefully somebody gets, gets, gets some good use out of them. Yeah, that was kind of sad. Even with us screaming, uh, brony, brony. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I talked to him later and I said, look, this, try this game. It's a good game. So we'll see if he does. All right. Well, very good. So once again, guys, uh, Mari's already said, but thanks. Do appreciate y'all giving me some feedback on that. And I'll probably keep talking about Pandemic in the lab. Great addition to Pandemic. (laughs) 
So here we are coming up our outro segment where we kind of, this is kind of our hodgepodge segment where we talk about news and little things that we didn't really have a place for in the show. But before I get to any of that, uh, Tony, you said in the uh, last segment, remind you of something to tell me. What was okay, that? Okay, I was on Miniature Market the other night, and I was just goofing around looking at the stuff that they had on clearance. And one of the things they had on clearance was a Lord of the Rings TCC, TCG um, booster box for $15. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what was this again? At Miniature Market. Okay. All right, so I'm on Miniature Market, and I see, okay, uh, yeah, you're sure we paid $40 for that booster box. But anyway... Was this um, the first one? Uh, no, this was, was, it, uh, was two, towers, which, yeah, two towers. Expansion, two towers. Okay, two towers. But then I said, "Well, I'm just curious." I clicked on Decipher, and for um, 19.99, they have seven boxes left of Lord of the Rings anthology, which is the, you, that was the last set that they produced to celebrate their run that has all foils. And it revamps the whole game and reproduces the cave trolls and uh, Legolas for nineteen ninety nine. How many cards are in that? I didn't want to keep reading. Okay, I just said I can't. My precious, my I'll precious. It. I'll do it for nostalgic persons. I, I for reasons I'd do it. I know. I just wanted to remind you, and then you'll go look at that, and we'll talk about it some on IM. And yeah, all that other thank, stuff. actually, that's really cool. But you know, you know, the expansion we always looked for, never could find. That everybody said you had to play was it Shadows? Yes, they have. Those and too. everybody said this is the expansion which reinvigorated the game, and it was it must have because it was hard to find, and when you did, it was super expensive. I always wanted to see what was so special about that expansion. But knowing that that anthology was kind of the last thing, it's like this is our last hoorah, and it's reprints. You say it's reprints of some of the cards or it's brand-new cards? They're all uh, – well, they've got some brand-new ones, but it's a lot of the reprints of the originals that we all loved, all foil. Yeah. Yes, yes, I'll do it. I'll, I'll chip in 20 bucks to have a full cave troll. That sucker was cool. Yeah, see, my precious – <laughs> awesome so another thing we wanted to mention was uh I, right before we started the show it was just announced that origins has uh announced uh the origins wow marty can you say the same word multiple times how many times do you do this i'm glad you do, i'm glad my camera's not working on my brand new computer because you'd see me laughing my hiney and off over here i'm doing the shane head rub now from uh, uh walking desk like I'm, I'm really confused um Origins nominations were announced uh, for this year, and obviously this is going to come out several weeks later, so everybody's already seen it. I am underwhelmed by the the list here. I'm not going to go through all these. Let's just talk about the board games. Best board games of 2013. You ready? Trains. Okay, it was pretty good. Time and Space by Stronghold. Uh, Space Cadet Dice Duel Stronghold. Very that, popular game. Yeah, I was going to say that that one. Yeah. I, yeah. There, there's my vote. Yeah, Crossmaster Arena, uh, okay, and City of Iron. Bought it, haven't played it yet, but I mean, very nice game, very difficult game. But Yeah, but for Game of the Year for 2013, I mean, most people's Games of the Year list contains some other stuff besides this. I guess depending on on when you consider it released, um, uh, 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 oh my gosh, I'm drawing a, a brain fart. The uh, co-op game, Robinson Crusoe. Uh, depending on when they, you know, took nominations or Caverna. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. 
uh, uh, um, I'm thinking of the games. Uh, we're right now in the process of doing the Tice Tower Award nominations, and a lot of these aren't going to be even nominated. Uh, and then they go through all the other ones. And I, again, I won't go through them all. I thought that it was the board games because we mainly talk about those. Oh, okay. Let me just pick out one other, which I thought was odd. The um, traditional card game, Love Letter. I'll give you that. The DC Comics deck building game. A lot of people really don't like that. Yeah. Marvel Legendary Dark City. A lot of people like that one. So I just don't know where they come up with these lists from. Well, but anyway. see, yeah, you went to the board games, but one of the things that, you know, best board games, but you got to go through all the other ones. For like, if you look at best historical board game, yeah, SOS Titanic, that's pretty interesting. Oh, or, there's where Freedom Underground Railroad there is. There you go. And Francis Drake. Francis Drake. Okay. And 1775 Rebellion. You know, Which I'm interested in. Uh-huh. So that's where all those are. So as you oh. scroll through it, but once again, I'm with you. I was like, best, okay, that's fine. I mean, and then I'm looking at best family game. I got, um, you know, Walk the Plank. I, okay. And that, and I'm like, other than Raffle, I'm like, I don't know. The Aiello Three Little Pigs. I remember vaguely yellow. that one. Yellow. Yeah, yeah, yellow. Um, My Happy Farm. Don't remember that. Is that the one? My Happy Farm. Is that the one with the squeegee meeples? I think it might be. Anyway. Don't know. Best Miniature Figure Line. Malifaux, Heroclix, and Mercs. Mercs is pretty darn powerful. Popular. Mercs is pretty big. Uh, Star Trek Attack Wing wasn't in there? Yeah. I'm with you. So anyway. Okay, so anyway, so that is out there. Um, I'm sure this will be discussed. It's discussed every year because this is always an odd list, but that's out there. The other th- big news just announced. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on, talk- hold on. I'm going to interrupt you. Best okay. role-playing game, Shadowrun Core Rulebook. Check. Uh, it was, uh, I didn't even look at the RPG. What What else is in there? 13th um, Age, Fate Core System, Mummy the Curse, and Numenera. Um, and Shadowrun Core Rulebook. Uh, okay, that's my vote too, but I tell you, 13th age has a huge following too. Yes, they do. Um, so I'm curious if it's, going to, if it's not 13th age or shadow run, I will be totally shocked. The other piece of news, which we just got before we came on was uh whiz kids has shared um, that the whole first print of Marvel dice uh, masters is gone. They're going to have a reprint that will come out. I think they said around the June timeframe. That's insane. And I, like I said, it, they're hard to find out. Tony, you did find that as of today, Fun Again Games had some in stock, starters and boosters. As of 4-10-2014, still in stock. Yep. And now they've started the OP, the organized play, which we knew was coming. I'm really curious to see how popular the organized play is because if it's big, this game is going to be around for a long time because it's organized play events is what keeps these games going. Oh yeah, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this is. I'm, I'm once again riding the fence. Marty's trying to get me to spend some money here, and I'll probably yield to the pressure of it. Just so we'll have something to do besides Android Net Runner. You said it. Yes, we uh, we need to have like a a, a a like an achievement ding or something. Every time it's mentioned, just ding. There it is. You got it. And I've said that before. Okay. Uh, last thing we want to mention. So uh, one, two, two episodes ago, I believe you said, Tony, that, hey, help us get to a thousand Twitter followers. And if we do, we'll come up with some sort of special prize. Well, we got to a thousand. So what's our special prize? Uh, I have no recollection of saying that. I didn't think you would. 
Okay. Yes, I did say that. And we have something. I have a version three of a leather <laughs> dice bag sitting to go out to some lucky listener here that's hung in with us towards the end who didn't turn us off when we were talking about tabletop and getting on our um Oh my gosh, um, if they turned box. us off at tabletop, they turned us off a long time ago. Yes, they did. And but, so here's what it is, guys. So to enter into this contest of a an original leather dice bag version 3 version V3 three, V3 you need to as Marty instructed me, because you know I am Mister Social Media, you need to do a so enter your. How, how would you do this on on Twitter? It would just be your. We would pull your name and then try to send you a personal email. Yeah, we'd send you a personal message in Twitter that you want. So what you need to do is you need to tweet with the hashtag RDTN Dice Bag Entry. Did I do that right, Marty? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, if you just tweet out, tweet to us, or tweet out a uh, hashtag R R D R D T N dice bag entry, then what's going to happen? Uh, we'll say, see, this will come out the end of be the twenty second of April, if I remember. Twenty second. We'll give wait uh, two weeks. We say Tony April sixth. Uh, you mean May sixth? May sixth. Sorry. Yeah, so we'll, we'll run the contest for two weeks until our next one, and we will pull the winner on that show. Yep, and basically, we're just going to go and basically do a sort search of everybody who submitted hashtag RDTN dice bag entry. That's not D bag entry. That's not T bag entry. Dice. Let's not get funny, okay? Dice, not D-bag. And uh, let me put some legalese here, Marty. Unfortunately, due to the shipping costs to go overseas, this is only for our listeners. I'm sorry, in the United States. Okay? The the shipping... Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. We just lost like 40 Twitter followers. I know, but I mean, shoot. The the postage will, will be way more than what that bag is worth okay the postage <laughs> in the united states is way more than what that bag is worth it's just a, a neat little thank you out there and just to get some people they're nice I, i'll tell you one thing i don't know if you've uh, opened up the eldritch no i didn't put it in the eldritch horror i'm making one for eldritch horror i'm gonna make a larger one for eldritch horror so when you open the bag or the box you get that waff of leather oh that's nice now can you do um like a velvet or cloth bags I need a red one and a blue one for uh, the Dice Masters. Thanks. Okay. Consider it done. Embroidered one with X-Men logo <laughs> and the other with the Avengers logo. <laughs> you ain't got enough money, dude. So anyway. Uh, anyway. So uh, there, there's our contest. Uh, wow. I'm looking at the show notes and I think we covered everything. Of course we did. We're, we are top notch here. Top notch. Top shelf. Um, so once again, hashtag RDTN dice bag entry. That's all we need. That's it. RD, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of words. It's a and less don't than misspell, 140. Don't misspell it or we won't find it. That's right. Of course, just, you just, just tweet to directly to us. And if it's close enough, as long as it's not D-bag, we're cool. Yeah, it's, it's your job to find it. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, again, uh, probably a lot's going to go on since we've recorded this episode. Uh, just kind of uh, remember, you might want to consider your purchase for Among the Stars. Go back tabletop if you want to see more of it. 
Uh, hopefully by now we've decided what our game of the month is for May. Oh, Tony, there is one thing we didn't talk about. Russian Railroads. You want to save that for next time? Yeah, let's talk about my stunning victory next time. No, we'll just go ahead and talk about it now, so we're going to get it over with. All right, yes, you won <laughs> Catan, and then immediately we turned around and played Russian Railroads, a four-player, and I would mentioned it before. Um, I was kind of lost the first time I played, and we sat down, and I'm sitting here watching, and Tony's like, I kind of see what Tony's doing with this strategy, and I think this is pretty good. Tony won, man. You won. That was a nice job. Well, thank you. I mean, I listened to War College where they talk about, you know, doing some recon. And so I went out, watched a a playthrough. And actually, I did it mostly just so I could, you know, like you mentioned in our last episode where it's always good. Watch a playthrough and if you can or a review that has it and then go read the rules. That really helps. Right. Uh, And so, you know, and their strategy was so... And I think it came down to having just, but to sum it up, great worker placement game, a lot of stuff going on. If I were to, I, I, w- I would love to have the game personally, but I do not see me ever being able to play it very often just because there's so much going on in that game. I, other than at, at Queen City Game Club, and we already got three copies or whatever we got there. There's no, there's no sense in it. And you, you made a good point. If you're not going to get it to your table much, there's no need. But we, we can play it if, if people don't get sick of it. It's a good game. My second time playing it, I understood it a lot better. I actually had a strategy going in. I didn't get blown away this time. I was – I can't remember. I was either second or third. You were kind of ahead of us by a ways, but second third was really, really close. And it, it, I got something going, and it tended to work. But like you said, it's one of those things where there's gonna, there's multiple ways to score points in this game, and you just got to kind of decide which way you're going to go and then possibly alter it if somebody else is doing the exact same thing, which could really mess you up, kind of like any worker placement game. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I had the Kiev line going. That was giving me my initial points at the beginning, and then the factories kick – well, the factory kicked in at the end with end-point scoring. So, yeah, that – that uh, Kiev medal was, I think, that was not a big difference in the game. I think, other than that, y'all would have waxed the floor front with me. Nah, nah, don't be, don't be, don't be so humble. You, you did a good job. You really did. You did a good job of the night. So you won the entire night. So enjoy that because it better not happen again. And what do I have to show for it other than this podcast being able to boast about? That's it. Nothing. Yeah, but that's a lot. I mean, you know, you got twenty five people who are like now know that you won two games in one night. Ooh, go team! Oh, and then I won net runner. <laughs> Uh, but then we won't go into that either. Boy, I have gotten waxed. Okay, I'm getting out of games. I haven't won a game in a long time now. I just now realize this. Well, don't go play against Jason. Oh, my gosh. Oh, by the way, they played Caverna the other night. Guess who won? Jason. Jason. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, This has been episode 37. Sheep, go check out Animals Pink Floyd for your listening convenience. How about listening pleasure, not convenience? How about just go listen to it? There you go. You got to say our thing at the end. Oh, I forgot all about that. I'm sitting here reading about Lord of the Rings AGN 40 card <laughs> limited collection. <laughs> it's only 40 cards? It's only 40 cards, man. Hmm. I don't know what's up with that. So I'm sitting here going, what? It's only 40 cards? That's not worth $20 to me. Oh, keep rolling dice and taking names. Rolling Dice and Taking Names is located at RollDiceTakeNames.com and on Twitter at Dice and Names. And be sure to check out their guild on BoardGameGeek and the Facebook page. Hey, come closer. Closer. 
before lunch, our Bojangles mm-hmm. lunch, I, mm-hmm. I'm guessing we will have 123 entries come in for the dice bag, and it's whoever is closest, over okay, or you under. Say, you say 123. Mm-hmm. You're optimistic. I'll say 75. There you have it. Bojangles lunch? Bojangles lunch. You're on.